welcome back to the Big Blue in the Bronx YouTube channel. Hope you guys are enjoying your day like I am. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start actually doing the, the podcast episode in a couple of seconds here, but I want to have a quick shout-out. Uh, Nimmer and Tony in the chat. Shout-outs to Austin as well. Let's get ready to talk some draft. Let's talk about the fifth overall pick for the New York Giants, and that is Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, defensive end out of Oregon, and I have a bunch of notes, so that's where I'm pulling this stuff up from. Uh, Shouts, uh, Nimmer says, Alex, do you think uh, Daniel Jones can be Danny Dimes? If they have, you know, if this offensive line proves, uh, if this offensive line proves to be, you know, as good as we're saying, you know, um, you know, whether it's Max Garcia at left guard, if it's at least a solid O line, he should be Danny Dimes, and if he's not Danny Dimes, then. You know, obviously, we're getting the quarterback probably next year. Um, that's why, also, they didn't accept the option. They have nothing tied to him. Um, you know, they just, you know, hopefully he is Danny Dimes. I'm, I'm rooting on him. I'm rooting on every Giant player. Even though, you know, some players sometimes, you know, you, you don't want on the team or whatever. You root for, you know, the players on your team. That's what you should do. Anyway, uh, stranded on second with Tony Clark. Uh, Tony, as I said, I know you have a new podcast. Uh, shouts to you on that one. Hope you have uh, a lot of success with that. What do you know about Kevin Hogan? Kevin Hogan is a four. Uh, he was, uh, I think, a first round pick, or at least he started out with the Browns in his career. I think no. So he was a fifth round pick of the Chiefs. Then he moved to the Browns for a little bit. Then he was with the Washington Football Team. Then the Broncos. So he's a journeyman quarterback. I mean, he's probably going to be, you know, looking at your roster right now, the Texans. Um. You have uh, Kyle Allen, Jeff Driscoll, Davis Mills, and Kevin Hogan. So he's going to be competing for that second, third backup spot. You know, um, I don't think he's going to be second, but third, it's probably going to be between him and Jeff Driscoll because I think Kyle Allen should win behind him. Um, but I don't know. Uh, wide receiver was wow. So you're actually uh, you're actually a, a differentiate differentiating from the fan base because there's a lot of Giant fans who weren't happy with that wide receiver pick. Let's talk Tibbs. So, I think he has a personality for New York. He's already checked off the box that with his brand, it's not going to come before the playbook. It's not going to come before the teammates. He just has a personality, right? You know, when you saw him come out, he was, you know, doing this and this. You know, I, I can't mock it very well. But he's got the personality. And I there's something different about him that, you know, his personality is just going to be good for New York. And I know there was a little hiccup, apparently. This came out this week by Adam Schefter that uh, defensive line assistant Brian Cox apparently uh, got into a little bit of a heated exchange with him in a pre-draft meeting with Aiden Hutchinson as well, um, which it's I guess it's not surprising because um, Brian Cox was actually fired in Atlanta for apparently shoving a player or something along the lines of that or cursing at a player. Um, so hopefully I'm, I'm really hoping that shit don't happen here because listen, Brian Cox was a very good defensive end in his day, but when you come to a co when you're a coach and I don't think he's won anything as a coach or, you know, has proven anything as an assistant. Um, yeah. So Jets D line coach, 2006, 2008 Browns D line, uh, Dolphins coach. So he was a pro bowler in his day. He was also a Super Bowl champion. But he hasn't proven anything, proven anything as a coach. So hopefully this this shit don't happen here. I mean, after his stint with Atlanta in 2016, he hadn't coached for five years. So hopefully that does not happen. Um, John Doe says most gadget players don't get 1,300 yards in the SEC and play well versus Georgia. I'll give him that. 
Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of a lot of folks uh, refer to him as a gadget player. Don't refer to him as a gadget player. I mean, he's. You look at two of our draft picks got burnt by him in college: Dane Belton and uh, Cordell Flott. So, you know what? Wandale's got the speed. You know, if Kadarius can't stay on the field for some reason, Wandale's there. And you know what? I think it's it's not a great value pick to some, but it's I think what this offense needs. So let's talk a little bit more about Kayvon Thibodeau. Keep keep sending your questions in, keep sending your comments. I love to respond to all of you guys out there. Um uh, Nimar says Evan Neal was a good pick. Yeah, I mean that was pretty much an obvious, you know, at number seven you had to go tackle, and the Giants went tackle, they went Evan Neal. Um so, many are concerned with Kayvon Thibodeau's ability to show up in the big games and that guys like Jermaine Johnson are supposedly better in their sack numbers with respective colleges. Now, why am I, t- why am I saying that? Because uh, apparently, now this was in a Jets space, so this is not just me spreading some rumors or shit like that. Michael Coe, former Giants cornerback, said in a Jets Twitter space, uh, one that my brother's kind of a part of, of the Jet Lounge, he said that Jermaine Johnson's a better pass rusher because Jermaine Johnson has more moves, and, you know, a lot of the guys that Kayvon played were backups. So, like, I could understand that, but I don't think Kayvon's going to come here and put up 15 sacks in his first three years. Like, you know, n- combined, maybe. But in terms of, like, oh, he's going to have a 10-plus sack, I don't th- honestly think that. I don't honestly think that, and I'll talk about that um, in a little bit. Is he the Vikings coach that we hired? The Vikings coach we hired is Andre Patterson. He's the head defensive line coach. Um, Brian Cox was the is the assistant defensive line coach. Uh, nobody mentions Shep's Achilles. Uh, much slot good, uh, much good slot insurance now on to Kayvon. Of course, you know um, that w- that's another good point. Like apparently Shep's running routes and stuff like that or whatever. And I'm not going to take too much from it because it's mini camps. You know what are you going to talk about? Like it's the workouts and voluntary stuff. Um, I hope Shep's back to normal, but you cannot count on him for 17 games you weren't count you weren't able to count on him for 16 why would you be able to count on him now and especially after Achilles injury that's something you don't want to mess with so here's why I say Kayvon's better than Jermaine Johnson I believe Jermaine Johnson is who he is I feel like there's a ceiling for him but he is who he is like let's take a look at his stats in college uh real quickly edge out of Florida State that the Jets picked up, and I've obviously posted that video. They got like 5,000 views. Uh, Jermaine Johnson had 11 and a half sacks with Florida State this past year after transferring from Georgia. So that might be what he gets in the NFL. You know, 11 and a half sacks, 12 and a half sacks, maybe not 15 sacks, maybe, you know, not as low as five, but maybe his first year he has to work some things out. I mean, I think it, personally, his first year with the Jets, he's going to be that number one guy. Carl Lawson's coming off an injury. Uh, season-ending injury last year that happened in camp, uh, which a lot of Jeff fans were just so pissed about. They were so angered about because he was one of the big free agent signings. So in his first year, I don't think he's going to be, you know, all pro and, you know, all this stuff. But why do I think Kayvon has a higher ceiling? Hence why Kayvon was top 10 talent. It's not just the way he played on the field, and it's not just, oh, this, this, and this, but it's also the ceiling. What he has the potential to be, a potentially 
you know, a potential game wrecker, right? That's what the Giants need. They've needed game changers. You know, on defense, yeah, it's great to have the James Bradburys and, you know, the secondary guys, but what has the Giants' uh, mantra always been about with their Super Bowls? It's always been good linebackers and good edge rushers. Lawrence Taylor, Michael Strahan, Osium Inyora, Justin Tuck, those guys got it done. And the Giants the last few years have not had that, and they've always tried to go with this approach of strength and, you know, the cornerbacks and stuff like that, which is all fine and well. I'm just really happy that Kayvon fell in their hands because Aziz was going to be the number one, and obviously everybody has seen Aziz is this jacked-up guy, but is he going to be eight and a half sacks each season? I don't know. To be honest with you, I don't think so. Um, but on to what Don Martindale values in Kayvon Thibodeau. And what he values his overall as a defensive coordinator. We talked about, you know, how Martindale really values the corners, the linebackers, the safeties, the defensive backs. And that's why the Giants picked a couple of uh, defensive backs and linebackers in this draft. Um, he values a quarterback pressures, quarterback hits, pressure percentage. He doesn't give a shit about sacks. I think it's pretty clear. You look at some of the years he had with Baltimore. Matt Judon didn't get over, I believe, nine sacks. And... That was like Devian Clowney numbers, and nobody considered Matt Judon a bust. It's just that he wanted to go to a different team, at least I think at the time, because he want you know the sack record, the sack numbers were hurting him. He was doing everything right in the scheme of Don Martindale. It's just that he wanted more money. A B, he wanted to get more sacks, which would up the market for him. And obviously, this past year with Baltimore, he did that. He got like. 14 and a half sacks or something like that. And I believe he went to a Pro Bowl. Um, he went to a Pro Bowl under, under Martindale, but, you know, obviously didn't get as much recognition as he did in New England uh, this year. And with Kayvon, you take a look at his college stats. His first year, nine and a half, nine sacks, 14 tackles for loss, and 35 tackles in 13 games. The three pass deflections and a forced fumble. Then you look at his second year uh, with Oregon, which was the COVID season. Three sacks, nine and a half tackles for a loss, three pass deflections, 42 tackles in seven games. Then you look at this past year, seven sacks, uh, 12 tackles for a loss, and 49 total tackles. So I'm going to say with that is, do not be mad. Actually, let me go into it. The overall stuff, which is going to come out with what I was just about to say. I love the potential he brings to destruct the game, and I think he will only get better under a system like, you know, Wink Martindale. If Andre Patterson, which he will be working with him along with Drew Wilkins and some of the other linebacker coaches, you know, if they, they get him to his full potential, this guy will wreck games. Not necessarily on the stat sheet in terms of sacks, but you will notice, okay, he's making tackles in the backfield. And something you have to notice with these guys, and this is not just Kayvon Thibodeau, this is DJ Davison, this is Micah McFadden, this is Darian Beavers. Those guys, it's not just the plays they make. It's the where they put themselves in position so that other teammates can make plays. Because if you shove an offensive lineman one way and you're trying to get back in the backfield, let's just say you're shoving him, uh, I don't know, to this side and, and you're facing the running back, right? And I know this is not a good diagram, but, the, but a linebacker or one of your teammates may come around you to tackle that running back. You're putting your teammate in good position to make a play. Um but the eye test, as I said, will definitely be incorporated with the quarterback pressures, hits, knockdowns, hurries, et cetera, et cetera, especially in this age of advanced analytics. And I feel like with Joe Shane's progressive uh, feel for the game the last few years, I don't think that's going to be an issue. I think that's why they want Kayvon Thibodeau. Not they, 
Not that they're going to go with Jermaine Johnson, you know, some guy who had 11 and a half sacks this year. It, it just doesn't fit what they want to do, in my opinion. And obviously, Kayvon's a better player, in my opinion. Um, so I'm just going to say this for you guys. Don't let the WFAN and the Giants Twitter GMs, because we all know they're out there, and the ESPN radio hosts tell you he didn't reach his potential because of a lack of sacks. Don't let them tell you that. Because I understand there's a lot of people who love the old school football, the sacks, this, that, and the other thing, right? Um, but the eye test is going to matter. The analytics are going to matter with the quarterback pressures, the pressure percentage, the blitz percentage. That's what Don Martindale loves to do. And Kayvon can also go in coverage. So he fits this scheme, and it's going to be exciting to watch in New York, especially in his first year. And if they play the Jets uh, like they do every preseason in the first game, I want to go. Like I've, I've, told, I've had friends tell me you know, they want to go to the game, and I, you know, I haven't been to a Giants-Jets preseason game since 2018. I haven't been to a preseason game since 2019. But Kayvon Thibodeau versus a guy like Makai Becton or George Fant, I would love to see it. I would love to see it. Uh, Shout-outs. I missed a couple of uh, comments in the chat. Just give me a second. I'll shout you guys out. That water feels so good. Shouts to Sox. Shouts to Joel. Nimmer says, Alex, do you think we keep James Bradbury? Unfortunately, no. Um, unfortunately, no. Uh, I don't think that's where we're going at this point. And I can't say it's all of Joe Shane's fault. You know, people are saying, oh, they didn't get the value, this, that, and the other thing. And it's 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 a weird situation because I think you would have had the fan base react in a certain way if he was traded for something like a six and the fan base would have been just up in arms oh you know you couldn't get more for him blah 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 but look at the contract he has what a 20 some odd million dollar cap hit this year 12 million if he cut him and that's what you need to do right now so um you know obviously people will throw in the logan ryan thing i believe he should stay hopefully and i don't ha- i wouldn't have a problem at this point because of the corner depth I wouldn't have a problem with extending him. I understand he doesn't fit Martindale's system. And, you know, early on I was forecutting it. But at this point, it's just like, you know, you have Cordell Flott. Is he really going to be your second starting corner in your first year? Like, I understand we're in a rebuild, but do you really want to put him in a different in a spot like that? Um, they should try their best to keep him. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think tomorrow maybe or Sunday they will make the official announcement that he's released. And, you know, it's it's sad. It's disappointing. Um, you know, it would have been really interesting to see what Mar- Martindale does with Bradbury, even though he's not technically a scheme fit. Um, but we'll see what happens. We'll see. Um, what is, uh, let, let's see, uh, Kayvon is still a little raw in the pass move. So the ceiling is, you know, I, I definitely agree with you. Oregon dropped him back into coverage fair amount. He may rush the passer, uh, even more for Wink. Yeah, blitz rate. I talked about that several times. Blitz rate, blitz rate, blitz rate. That's what this guy, Martindale, brings you. And Kayvon will be rushing the passer. He'll be on the inside. He'll be on the outside. You know, Sometimes he'll come through different gaps. Sometimes there are going to be stunts. That's why, in my personal opinion, you should expect at least a solid defense this year. And I was watching this guy that we drafted in the fifth round. Now, some will tell, some will, uh, some will say 
or, you know, guys who know me will say, you love the Micah McFadden pick. I love the Micah McFadden pick. I think he's an all-around good linebacker. I love the Beavers pick, right? You know, I, I've watched some film on those guys. Basically, I've watched games. Um, DJ Davison has a chance to be the Austin Johnson of this defense. And we'll talk about him a little later. I don't want to spoil the party. Um, the league's in stupid. They know that. Yeah, they know the cap situation, and nobody's falling for it. Like, if a team needs a corner... This past Monday, if you signed, and this is still going on right now, that's why you see, you know, Tyron Matthew signing. He didn't sign before because the Saints didn't want to lose a comp pick for losing some of the free agents. So before Monday, if you're, you know, before this past Monday, if you sign a free agent, you lose a comp pick. Like if you sign Tyron Matthew, you lose a comp pick if you let a, a big star walk. But if you go past Monday, and let's just say you sign somebody on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, maybe even today, you're not losing that comp pick because it's after the deadline. Uh, Shane is not has not not a. I'm guessing you said he hasn't had a dumb thing yet. Uh, he's blowing smoke with the Bradbury. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. He's already fooled us with this whole Kadarius Tony thing. I mean, he fooled Chris Pettit. That's why his ass is his rat ass is fucking gone. Um, but you know, I, I wouldn't be too surprised. And honestly, I would, I would love to, you know, actually be fooled. And I would love to be wrong about this whole Bradbury thing. I hope they could fit him in this system. It would be such a, you know, a, just such a relief. Uh, Alex blamed Dave Gettleman because he put us in salary cap. Yeah. I mean, the contract is the contract. I'm not going to say, you know, that that was totally a bad contract because y you did get a a good corner the first year. Second year was a little off. But there was a lot of the other things that put us in the situation. Like, you know, um, I know a lot of people weren't happy with the Logan Ryan stuff. Uh, but there was a couple of contracts you just had to let go. And it wasn't enough for the Giants and where they had to make these incremental uh, improvements. Like they signed Max Garcia. That's an incremental improvement over the guys we had. You know, he started 11 games last year for the Arizona Cardinals. Um, so they had to get their guys in free agency. They had to get these one-year contracts. And there was no way they couldn't do that. They had to use the money. And... You know what? We're in this situation right now, so you know what? We we got to move forward. Giants have to find a way. Design the draft class. So Evan Neal is next, my favorite, or one of my favorites. I have a lot of favorites. Evan Neal, offensive tackle. Now, when you see this, I know uh, you know it's just going to be Alabama plays mostly, and uh, you would you would have seen this with uh, McKeithen. And uh, Azudu, unfortunately, once again, my uh, screen recorder cut off at the time. And this was shortly before the stream, so I couldn't really make much of anything out of it. Um, but I know this is rolling fast. Just take a look at individually. He's number 73 at left tackle. You'll see a lot of quick sets. Um, you know, that's just that's what I love about Evan Neal. But more on to, like, I usually have – the way I'm doing this is I have a paragraph about some of these guys. Now, I believe Evan Neal – was the best of both worlds in this draft as a tackle and that he was the best tackle. Yeah, sure, you had Charles Cross, who was a stout pass protector. He was very athletic, but he didn't know, but he didn't really get a ton of run reps, right? That's that's one thing, and you could coach that in the NFL. But I don't think he was, you know, at the level of a top 10 pick. Top 10 pick. Ika Mukwanu, obviously, he's now with the Panthers, and he's going to have fun if they don't trade Chris, Christian McCaffrey. And... um. 
you know, he'll have to get better in pass protection. But the ceiling's there. The ceiling is also there with Evan Neal. I don't feel with Charles Cross. That's why I love the Giants taking Neal instead of Cross. Um, and an improved year for Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, a guy who can do both things with minimal technique issues. They can't risk with the inefficiencies from Cross not necessarily being the high ceiling and not knowing the running game, and then in Quanu with the pass protection. So Neal... Yeah, he does have his own issues like any other first-round pick. Like, the balance can be an issue. The lunging can be an issue. Um, and sometimes he doesn't finish blocks in the running game. That's why a lot of people had him uh, below Ikumakuanu. However, and why I recorded a lot of these, you know, clips in this. Uh, it's a looping video, so you'll see some of the uh, same plays over and over again. But this was about a two, three-minute video latched on together. And a lot of the plays are quick sets, but also... You know, you'll just see Evan Neal latch onto these guys and his hands don't come off. And overall, you do want a, a, a tackle that's just not very rambunctious. And, you know, you want somebody who is solid, right? Who's solid, doesn't make a lot of movement, but he gets the job done. I, Charles Cross is that guy, but Evan Neal is also that guy with a higher ceiling. If you guys know what I'm talking about, you know, so not like like if Eric Flowers, for example, you go back to his days as a left tackle. Sometimes he would get the job done, but he wouldn't be technically sound. It, would, he, it looked like he was always doing something wrong. Evan Neal on the right side, you know, his balance could work, you know, uh, use work a little bit. But he's just there. He latches on, you know, he and then in the running game, he, you know, he obviously that's one of his bigger uh, strengths, as you'll probably see it in a few reps here. Uh, once again, Neal latches on and latches on again. I feel like um, that may or may not have been against Sam Williams from Ole Miss. Uh, he's gone up against a couple of – and this is also as well why Evan Neal checks the boxes over Charles Cross. Now, Cross you could obviously, uh, you know, uh, kind of put in the same category, a little bit of a similar category really. Um, but Ikamakwadu, you can't because Evan Neal faced the top competition in college. Face guys from LSU, face guys from Georgia, Trayvon Walker, you know, Sam Williams, edge rusher from Ole Miss. There's a ton of guys you can name that he faced and he, you know, he won against. So with that being said, yeah, Iquanu has, you know, the high ceiling in the running game and could get better in the passing game, but he didn't face the top tier competition. You want NFL ready guys, and that's what Alabama produces when it comes to first round picks. Jalen Waddell, you know, uh, coming off a torn ACL. You know, people didn't think he was going to be ready. Well, he had a hell of a rookie season. Jonah Williams, solid left tackle for the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, was one of the bright spots and still is one of the bright spots on that offensive line. And they rebuilt it. Very good job by them. Um, trying to think right now. I mean, Alex Leatherwood got fucked by the Raiders uh, because, you know, I thought it was a reach of a pick at the same time. You know, the Raiders organization, just very dysfunctional. They, they've done a few things with the draft this year. Um Just want to take a quick sip. Anyway, um, John says I like the Kayvon pick by him. Hopefully, done watching the revolving door at right tackle go Evan. Yeah, um, I this I, I wanted Evan Neal so bad, and I was so 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 happy when they picked him. Um, you know, obviously, I had Jet fans cursing at me because they wanted Kayvon Thibodeau, and we got Thibodeau, and they got Sauce. But that's a different story for a different time. Um, being yes, obviously I mentioned the the high competition for uh, with Saban at Alabama, 
though likely he won't be placed anywhere other than right tackle, he does have the ability to play left tackle and right guard, ex making him expendable if injury happens. So let's just say Andrew Thomas gets hurt. Hopefully he doesn't, crossing fingers. Evan Neal could switch to left tackle, and you could put Matt Gano at right tackle. You could put, um, you know, an undrafted free agent, whoever makes the swing tackle spot. So, you know, you'd rather who would you rather trust at right ta uh, left tackle? Excuse me. Would you rather trust Evan Neal? Would you trust Would you trust Matt Gano? I think I would rather go with Evan Neal. Exactly. So, something the Giants focused on in the draft was versatility. Like Kayvon Thibodeau, he can cover. He can rush the passer. He, you know, is very explosive in the running game when he shows up there. Evan Neal, we obviously talked about the versatility. Um, Cordell Flott can do a couple of things. We'll talk about him in a couple of minutes. Joshua Zudu can do a couple of things. So I, I really like the way they went about this draft. He's similar to Becton in the size issue. Uh, but similar to Becton in size, I didn't mean to say issue. He's just been able to slim down a little bit more, but they really don't play much alike. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you there, John. I definitely uh, agree with you there. Um, he's been able to slim down more, and it just seems like right now his his weight isn't necessarily the issue. Um, just a couple of balance issues, and no problem there. And obviously, I have this video credit thing to do a barrel roll because I don't want to get copyrighted. And he's also a Giants fan. Um, you know, he does have some college get half, I would say, condensed games on YouTube. So, you know, with that being said, shots to him. Go subscribe. Next pick we're going to talk about is someone else from the SEC. That is Wandale Robinson, wide receiver number one. And as you can see, he's very expendable, like a Kadarius Tony. Um, you know, I'm not talking about body size. I'm not talking about uh, body type. I'm talking about the way they're used in their respective offenses um, and what Wandale Robinson could be here. You'll see a lot of different looks with the New York Giants, and it's going to be very exciting. And at the time and right now, I believe that Wandale was a bit of a reach. With that being said, you have to have a level playing field. You have to give the other side. There was a lot of wide receivers being taken. Um, Tyquan Thornton was taken in the second round. John Mechie was taken in the second round by the Texans. Jalen Tolbert was taken a little early from, you know, I think he was selected in the third maybe. But there was a lot of wide receivers being taken early. And the Giants just felt that they weren't going to get their guy. And they didn't feel like waiting till the third round when they had, you know, Joshua Zudu on the board, when they had Cordell Fla on the board, you know. Obviously, you only get so many picks. So, Jahan Dotson also was another one that was taken very early, in my opinion. It was taken something like 19th overall, Washington traded down, and they got Dotson. I'm like, you know, there were so many other wide receivers on the board. They picked Dotson. But we'll see what happens. Uh, obviously, we'll be seeing Dotson twice a year, pending any injury. Robinson, like Evan Neal, played among the best competition in college football in the SEC. This year, he put up seven touchdowns, 104 receptions, 1,334 yards, 13 games, 1,445 yards from scrimmage. Um, and then you look at the rushing game, seven attempts, total of 111 yards, 15.9 yards per carry. And obviously, this isn't just, oh, he's like Kadarius Toney, he could rush out of the backfield. He actually was used uh, at Nebraska as a running back. So it's not anything new to him. He's still learning that wide receiver uh, position. But with that being said, you know, he, he did it well. He, he's done it well, and this is a good transition to him, uh, for him, I should say, going into uh, a Brian Dable-like system with Kadarius Toney as well. 
And Robinson, as I said, over a thousand yards. And you have to take a look at the offense, right? Mostly predicated to the running game. You know, you watch uh, some highlights. You watch some games from Kentucky. Mostly predicated to the running game. So Robinson got the best. You know, he was the main target on that offense when it wasn't the running game. So shout-outs to him. Uh, Robinson's ability to make people miss like Kadarius Tony and is what the offense needs in terms of an athlete running with multiple sets and looks. Other than being used in a passing game, once again, he can be used in the ground game as he was a former running back and spent some time at Nebraska doing the same stuff. Robinson, unlike Kadarius Tony, as of right now, does not have an injury history as of yet, so being healthy will be important for him. With the likeliness of Kadarius Tony and Sterling Shepard missing games, obviously you're not going to talk about Galladay or Slayton because they're outside receivers. It looks as if Robinson will be playing the slot most of the time. He'll be motioning, and um, you know you have two offense, two offensive minds that are in control of the offense. Um, you have Brian Dable, you have Mike Kafka, you have also as well. You have what's his face. Uh, Shea Tierney, the quarterback's coach, which could also factor in the offense. The Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills were, I believe, top five last year in motion before the snap offensively is a stat. And Wondell Robinson can motion. You're not really motioning Galladay or Darius Slayton. Could you see that? Maybe. But you motion guys like Sterling Shepard, Saquon Barkley, Kadarius Tony, Wondell Robinson. I mean, you'll be able, Daniel Jones may be able to read defenses a little bit more. And that can help him. You know, the Giants the last two, three years were bottom of the league in motion before the snap. And that's very important. Once again, it helps the quarterback read defenses. And you go back to Patrick Mahomes, and I think he said it, it took him a full year to read NFL defenses. And guess what? What helped him? The motion before the snap. Is it a zone look? Is it a man look? What are they doing? So, um, you know, the... the Motion helps a lot, and Wondell Robinson can do that. Now, if you're talking about comparisons to certain players and what they could be in this offense, could you possibly look at a Tyreek Hill and a Mecole Hardman or a Byron, Byron Pringle? Now, I'm not comparing Kadarius Tony to Tyreek Hill. I think that's obviously way out of the ballpark uh, because he has nowhere on this. He is nowhere on the same level as Tyreek Hill and hasn't proven nearly enough. Um, but with that being said, you know. Uh, the way this offense is, he could possibly be in that same role. Who knows? Uh, P.S. Leave the small receiver bullshit behind. Devontae Smith is currently working out as a wide receiver in Philly, and I think the small receiver stuff has officially been put to bed. Jalen Waddle, John Mechie coming to the NFL once he gets healthy. Um, there's a ton of guys that you can name, smaller wide receivers that have worked out the speedsters of this game. And it's becoming, you know, back then, it used to be, oh, the deep ball guy, you know, the uh, the 50-50 ball guy. Like, that's what Jason Garrett wanted to do. 50-50 ball guy, that's why they got Kenny Galladay. And they didn't do that because the offensive line stunk. It stunk. And they couldn't get the ball to Galladay and all this other shit. We all know the story. But that's more of an older regimen of the NFL. New age, it's you have quick receivers. You have Elijah Moore. You have... Uh, Wandale Robinson. You have Kadarius Tony. So that's once again look at it that way. Uh, shouts to Kayla in the chat. What's going on? Uh, John says the Giants had a 7.5 pre-snap motion last year. Bills and the Chiefs, top of the league. Bills 34.5. The Chiefs 65 percent. 
<sighs> uh, great, great that we're not with that anymore. Uh, I think what Dable and Kafka do well is, yep, pre-snap motion. You can't target the small wide receiver over the middle anymore because of the new rules. Um, what new rules is that? What new rules is that? That's interesting. I mean, unless you're afraid of them getting hit over the middle by a big safety or something like that, but I, I, I'm maybe I haven't heard of that. Maybe, maybe I'm not. Maybe, I think I'm overthinking it, but I'll think of it eventually. Georgia was scared of getting beat deep sometimes and played him ten to twelve yards off the line of scrimmage and gave him free yards. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, this guy was a threat. You know, over a thousand yards in a offense that was really dedicated to the run. Um, you know, that's that's once again, I, I love. I love uh, Wandale Robinson coming here. And once again, not the value necessarily, but also, you know, um, the pick, who he is as a player. I like Mike Kafka. He was a good quarterback's coach. I feel he could be a great offensive coordinator. And, yeah, I mean, there was a, an article a couple of months ago, and I'm not lying when I say this, uh, that actually said that Eric Bieniemy is not necessarily everyone who, th who they think he is. And obviously there's been coaching concerns about what, you know, uh, the background is an NFL head, you know, to be an NFL head coach, you know, is the NFL discriminating against him, blah, 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 you know, all this, uh, you know, all this other stuff. Um, but apparently, like, he's not, he's apparently an asshole behind the scenes. And apparently a lot of that stuff, and I'm not making, you know, total conclusions here, but apparently a lot of that Patrick Mahomes stuff was actually Mike Kafka. And he was very, very, uh, I would say instrumental to the development of Patrick Mahomes. So there's that. Uh, Brady talked about how Ray Lewis killed a little wide receiver and would take them completely. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And once again, we'll see what happens at the next level. But there's a lot of stuff, even if you want to avoid over the middle, which is going to be interesting because Brian Dable loves crossing routes. I love crossing routes. I mean, that's just how you uh, separate from your man coverage, um, which we didn't see at all the last two years. I know Pat Shermer loved to run crossing routes. But, um, you know, it just seemed like, uh, in the offense for the Giants the last few years, crossing routes were extinct for some reason. Uh, you have two of the greatest offensive minds in Dable and Kafka. We're going to see hybrid Chiefs-Bills offense. Exactly. Exactly. Right on point. Um, also, once again, Robinson has burnt both newly Giants drafted defensive backs, so iron sharpens iron, as they say. So I'm going to go on to another pick, and I don't have film on him once again because my thing cut out uh, pre-stream. So we're going to talk about Joshua Zudu, 6'4", 325, 22 years old, left guard. I forgot to put guard, but you guys already know. Offensive guard from North Carolina. And once again, the Giants value versatility in this draft. Joshua Zudu, sometimes with UNC, would play left guard on first. He would switch, in, switch to left tackle on second down and then switch back to left guard on third, whatever the case may be. Um, he can also play right tackle, so he doesn't you know there's no shorter positions. He's probably going to be a guard at the next level. But for some, you know, if you have your tackle or a couple offensive linemen inactive because of that inactive rule and Joshua Zudo has to slide the tackle, why not? Um, all versatility traits can be attributed to his long arms. You need long arms as a tackle. Him and fifth-round pick Marcus McKeithen were an important part of one of the best running games in 2020 with Ty Chandler. Michael Carter, New York Jets running back. Also, Ty Chandler is now with the Minnesota Vikings, so he's going to be very exciting to watch next to uh, Dalvin Cook. 
and Javante Williams running back for the Denver Broncos. Now, I like the way he moves his feet in pass protection. I like the way he moves his feet. He's very athletic. The footwork is definitely there. That's the most exciting part of, uh, you know, about him. He also had some notable reps inside and outside against Jermaine Johnson and some other good edge rushers. And I feel like he won a lot of those reps. You know, you take a look at the North Carolina versus Florida State. Sometimes he goes at left tackle. And he actually, you know, it's not always, oh, it's perfection. But sometimes he will give up ground as a pass protector. But it's not like he's totally beat at left tackle. Um, he also has good mirror ability and which, you know, to stay with the inside outside rusher, giving up ground is something he does already mention that. So he's not perfect, uh, te- technically speaking. And you, if you watch, um, you know, certain people have done film breakdowns of Mark Lewinsky, our current right guard. He's not perfect in pass protection. He's solid in pass protection. You know, his big thing is the running game, but if you take a look in pass protection, he's not always technically sound. He's not always, you know, firm with his feet or whatever, but he will give up ground. He doesn't give up sacks, though. He's, you know, he's very solid, as I just said. As a run blocker, his foot speed does propel him to be a good pulling guard. The Giants last year, and I hate pulling up last year because we are so fucking past that. The Giants last year never pulled their offensive guards, and it worked so much when they did. Does anybody remember last year? After the Giants got the ball back and Devontae Booker rushed for that big touchdown against the Panthers, Will Hernandez and Matt Skura, two guards that were just fucking garbage. They pulled, and they were instrumental parts of that touchdown. So, Zudu, Lewinsky, we have these athletic guards that can pull. Hopefully, Brian Dable, Mike Kafka, and all those other offensive assistants that we have can make that happen. His hand placement is not consistent, which can be worked on with the positives of athleticism, footwork, and long arms. Um, that's also something, I, maybe it's a UNC problem, but Marcus McKeithen has the same issue. Sometimes he uses his body too much when he's you know, going up against uh, certain defensive interiors, as I call them, because I've gotten so much used to the 3-4 scheme. Sometimes he'll go up and use his body more to block than the hands, and that will need to get better because somebody could just push him aside and tackle the running back or get to the quarterback depending on you know what type of situation it is um max max garcia will likely start at left guard for big blue within the first few weeks and i wouldn't put it too much of a stretch and once again this is my confidence in joshua zudu this is you know me trying to overhype him again um but as far as zudu goes maybe he starts week five maybe he starts week seven you know i feel like he's that close to being pro ready where Bobby Johnson could just, you know, fix a couple of things with his technique and he could start out there. Get some rookie pains going. Don't sit this guy for a full year, full two years, and then say, okay, we got to start. No, put him in game reps, run reps, passing reps. A lot of teams don't do that, and it ends up so badly. Um, but most likely you'll see Max Garcia start the few, first few weeks. I really like the pace of his footwork, and if he can be consistent, everything else fundamentally he can be a third round steal that's that's how I feel about him Kafka was put in position to be the Chiefs next offensive coordinator if he didn't come to the Giants yeah that's why they that's why they were um you know teeter-tottering on bringing Eric Bieniemy back because of the head coaching opportunity and also once again uh Eric Bieniemy being Eric Bieniemy and how Mike Kafka is just very instrumental to the offense in Kansas City, or was, I should say. Uh, the wide receiver, 
don't take hits they used to for the better, honestly. Yeah, of course. Joshua was a top 30 visit for the Bills. Joe leaning on that Bills scouting. And I have something to bring up about that. I just want to read two more comments. Uh, Joe said that he already completed a majority of scouting with the Bills before taking the Giants job. First four rounds. And, you know, a Bills podcast, and I'm going to actually fill up my water in about two seconds because it's getting a... It's getting a little uh, dry here. Um, but, um, you know, I was listening to a Bills podcast, and there was a clip, and they said Wandale Robinson received very much interest from the Buffalo Bills and Joe Shane when Shane was still with the Bills. So, once again, that's Bills philosophy coming to the New York Giants, uh, which is something that I like. So now we're on to Cordell Flott, cornerback out of LSU. Um Let's talk about some Cordell Flott. So, like Wink Martindale wants, Cordell Flott brings versatility. Now, let me pull up his stat page and give you guys the stats he had uh, this past season. So, Cordell Flott had one interception, three pass deflections, a forced fumble, a total of one tackle for a loss, 40 tackles, and 11 games played. We also signed one of uh, his teammates, Darren Evans, cornerback from LSU. So, we'll be... You know, this is very interesting. We got two LSU guys who played in the same backfield, and you also have two guys that played on the same offensive line, Marcus McKeithen and Josh Guizudu. Um, But Cordell Flott brings versatility. LSU had Flott at safety, slot cornerback, and outside cornerback many times. To be noted, this is real, by the way. You could actually check it out. Joe Shane said that Cordell Flott will probably play the nickel corner possibly forcing Darnie Holmes out or further down the depth chart. The Giants' new regime has absolutely zero ties to Darnie Holmes, and he's played well. I mean, he played well a little bit last year. He did struggle his rookie year, even though he didn't give up a touchdown. But it just shows, like, in preseason, you will probably see a matchup of Cordell Flott getting first-team reps at slot corner, Darnie Holmes getting second-team reps at slot corner. Um... You know, there's different types of weaknesses, like Darnay Holmes. He's not a very good tackler. Cordell Flott, he's a good tackler. He just needs to beef up a little bit. He needs some chicken McNuggets. He needs some Big Macs. Um, you know, he's about like 175 right now. If you could get that to 195, you can play cornerback in the NFL and match up against some of these guys. But also, once again, does that take away from his speed, which is a worry. Now, obviously, it remains to be seen what comes out of the James Bradbury situation, I don't think the Giants will actually sign a corner if they release James Bradbury. They'll sign the rest of their draft class, and that'll be all. Um, So if you're looking at James Bradbury going, if that's going to be the case, which is 90%, there's probably not going to be a threat to Darnay's job, maybe just a tad, because Aaron Robinson was very good last year. One of my favorite rookies from last year, uh, besides Aziz, besides some of the other guys. Aaron Robinson, his first probably full game in the NFL, or at least half a game against the Eagles, I was at the stadium. And he was physical. You know, he was fundamental. He was very instrumental, I should say, in the running game. I I, I want to see what he does this year, uh, whether it's outside corner or in the slot or in the box. I think Wink Martindale will have a field day with this guy. Uh, back to Flott. As I said, Flott will need a, bu- a few Big Macs and Whoppers at the next level as he does need to get heavier for his position. Placing him against bigger bodies could turn into stacking and a strength issue, hence while he will, why he would likely start out as a slot cornerback. However, on a positive note, Cordell Flott is sticky 
and has a good backpedal speed, making him a good cornerback in man coverage. Once again, Don Martindale, man coverage, blitzing, we all know the story. If he does play outside cornerback for the Giants at all, I do need to see more physicality in terms of pass deflections and interceptions. Now, obviously, in this little two-minute, three-minute looping video, you will see against Mississippi State uh, that he does pick off, uh, I don't know the quarterback's name, I think his name is Roger, Will Rogers or something like that, but in one of these reps, it might be this one, hold on, might be, looking, no, it's not this one. I'm going to wait for it to come up because I definitely put it on here. As you see, he does force the fumble, which uh, obviously, once again, creating turnovers is a big thing at the next level. Um, you'll see it eventually, though. I'll, I'll wait till it gets there. But Cordell Flott, uh, I, I would like to see a little bit more physical physicality because Odori Jackson brung that last year, I felt. Um, I know he only got one interception, but the pass deflection, those are important in main coverage. And, you know, you can get that in zone coverage. I just feel like in man coverage, you have to be a little bit more physical, and that's what the Giants need on their defense. Uh, I want to get to some comments that I missed. Uh, 12 seconds to get water, new record. Yeah, there's a sink down here, so there's that. Uh, only thing Cordell should watch out for is Darnay Holmes. He has a genius IQ. Yeah, Darnay Holmes is a very smart football player. It's just sometimes uh, does that actually uh, you know turn into what you can be in a, against guys who actually have traits. Uh, Shouts to Mac. What's going on? Be, be sure to subscribe to uh, Kayla has a channel. Mac has a channel. Tony has a channel. I don't know if he's still here uh, up in the comments, but please subscribe. You know, there's there's much more people than me content creating in this uh, wonderful community, whether it be baseball, football, um, just a great community overall. So we'll see if, if it finally comes up here at some point. But as you can see, Cordell Flott can make tackles. Uh, you love a tackling corner. That's what Cordell Flott brings. That's why a lot of the, that's what a lot of these. Uh, Highlights are, and I know highlights and film are really two different things. But as you see right here, yep, makes the tackle on the Auburn running back. Tackle behind the line of scrimmage with his teammate. Uh, I, I just wanted to get there so bad. We should be getting to it real quickly, but pass deflection right there by Cordell Flott. This is going to be that uh, same play, the, the forced fumble. Hopefully I didn't delete it. That would, that would be very uninstrumental of me. I know I'm going to have to do some editing, obviously, for this to go on Spotify in the morning. Um, see right here, Flot cuts it off before the first down, so it's a third and short. Obviously, going back to the forced fumble uh, on one of the playmakers for Mississippi State. Here against Auburn, against Bo Nix. Screenplay. Cuts it off before the first down. This might be the interception. This is the interception. Cordell Flott just using all of his jumps, his hops, as basketball players would call his hops, gets in the air, recognizes where the quarterback's going with the ball, and that's that. So next up, we will talk about one of my favorite guys, Daniel Bellinger, tight end out of San Diego State. And, you know, I, I really wanted the Giants to go out and get a tight end. I really did. Um, you know, I was looking at Trey McBride. I was looking at a couple other guys, right? And, uh, you know, with that being said, Daniel Bellinger, he is a hell of a fucking blocker. And in this video that you see here, you're not just going to see, you, and I understand there will, there will be some plays where it's not going to be on him. But look at this play, pass protection. You will see some blocking film in this. It's not just, oh, you, you know, he catches balls. He blocks. Okay, so let's take a look here. Right here, it's going to go to Bellinger, and we'll talk about him in just a second. First down, 
Bellinger in motion, blocks here, makes a hole for his running back. He gets the first down. And obviously competition can be a question because they, they didn't face very good competition. They're not a very good football team, you know, when you compare to the Alabamas of the world. But even right here, makes a block, gets the second level. His running back cuts to the outside. And I believe he gets a first down on that play. Uh, one more before we go into the scout report. Bellinger, not all great in pass protection, but gives his quarterback time nonetheless. Bellinger in motion once again. Gets a little pass there and just carves for extra yards. That's what I love about Bellinger. That's what I love about what he does. Um, but let's to let's get straight to it on Daniel Bellinger. Um, most fourth-round picks don't deserve to be day-one starters. I believe Daniel Bellinger does. For the first time in a while, the Giants seem to have a blocking tight end, or at least a tight end who has the ceiling to consistently catch and block. Many scouting reports contradict the other when talking about his run after the catchability. He isn't the best route-running tight end, but he has good hands and will be a quality target for Daniel Jones in the red zone. How many years have we been talking about Daniel Jones in the red zone needs a good tight end? And the Giants have had way too many tight ends in the last few years. It's, oh, they don't have this. They don't have that. You know, Evan Ingram, he's got the speed. He just can't block. Caden Smith, you know, he obviously, I wanted him to turn out to be good so badly. Um, Kyle Rudolph, you know, didn't do good last year in the Jason Garrett offense. Red Ellison, I mean, he was inconsistent as a blocker. Uh, probably the best thing we had, you know, as a blocker in the last few years. Ravid Twilolo really wasn't a pass catcher. Um, unlike Evan Ingram, once again, he, you know, he can block. He can block. Uh, Bellinger is likely a 50-50 ball tight end, but obviously has the ceiling to do a lot more. With Jordan Aikens and Ricky Seals-Jones not having the greatest blocking fundamentals, Bellinger should be able to poke his way into the starting lineup. Now, we're not talking about Cody Bellinger, of course, for you baseball fans out there. We're talking about Daniel Bellinger. Now, I feel like, and I was looking at three specific games. You'll see this, obviously, in the little film highlights here. Uh, San Diego State, University of uh, Texas San Antonio, and uh, San Jose State. I picked I picked out three, game, three games for each uh, player just to look at and some of their best plays as well. Um, with that being said, I feel like they really un underutilized him. You know, he only caught two touchdowns this past year. The year before, he didn't catch any. They had this number 85 guy that was basically the lead tight end. And, you know, San Diego State, once again, you're not saying it's Alabama. You're not saying it's some of these top colleges across the nation. But I just expect him to be utilized a little more. 357 receiving yards, total of uh, 31 receptions, two touchdowns, and uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, Daniel Bellinger, tight end. Out of San Diego State, one of my favorite picks in this draft. Now we're going to get to a guy that a lot of people have uh, mixed mixed feelings about. This one's Dane Belton, uh, safety, linebacker. The, well, I should say whenever Fox did broadcasts for Iowa, because they were in the Big Ten, uh, Big Ten, Big 12, I, I can't even, I can't even, uh, you know, remember right now. But with Dane Belton, they considered him a linebacker which honestly kind of fits the mold here. Um, Dane Belton does a lot of things. See right here, he picks a pass off. Um, right here, makes a tackle in the backfield. So he can do a lot of things if he has that ceiling, but I don't really see a huge ceiling for Dane Belton. 
um, especially in a Martindale defense. And I'm not saying Martindale's bad or anything like that. Um, but what I am saying is, you know, for what he did at Iowa, unless he fixes a lot of his issues, it's not going to be, you know, the Giants, in my opinion, still have to go after a safety next year. Um, we will have a lot of cap space. We do have to resign some guys. However, and I mean however, um, you know, they, they really have to go after safety. They have to get one of these guys. Like Flott, Belton can play the slot safety and in the box. In the slot, he did play man coverage uh, for most, as for most of his, I can't even talk. As for most of his experience, comes from zone coverage. And to go along with the rest of his weaknesses, expect Julian Love and Xavier McKinney to be the starting safeties in week one. Um, I made a little joke here. May it make sense? You know, doesn't make sense to you guys. I don't know. Uh, I just thought I'd put this in there. Like igniting a fart when, Bar when Belton gets burnt, he gets burnt badly. Uh, obviously, we talked about Mondale Robinson burning him. He got burnt very badly. And it just seems like over-the-top routes really uh, make Belton look really bad. Uh, while he has the ability, like former teammate who was drafted by the Ravens with Mondale in 2020, Geno Stone, um, you know, he has a big, big ability, big hit ability. That's what I wanted to say. He has a big hit ability. Um, he, his tackling ability needs work as he fails to wrap up the ball carrier at times. He lacks change of direction speed, which can leave him in trouble against quicker receivers. And in the slot, you're going to face a shit ton of quick receivers. Jalen Waddle, you know, even for your own team, Kadarius Tony in practice, Wendell Robinson in practice, Sterling Shepard in practice. That's three in practice already. So, Belton needs to pick it up a little bit. Uh, if not, he's probably going to be transitioned all around the defense. Uh, probably mostly the box and on special teams, just my personal opinion, uh, as a rotational piece. Um, he does have good ball skills. This past year, he logged five interceptions and seven pass deflections for the Hawkeyes in his junior season, um, which I'm surprised. In a way, I'm surprised he didn't stay, but also, uh, you know, five interceptions. I guess he said, listen, I'm the cream of the crop. This is the best it's going to get. Uh, Belton likely will be a rotational piece in the box, sometimes deep, in the slot, in his first year, and during his tenure as New York Giants. So this is probably the pick where I say it's not too much of a high ceiling. It's not too much of a high ceiling. Like Belton, um, you know, obviously he applies the quarterback hit there. I just see it as a rotational piece. I don't see him becoming... You know this 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 great safety. I don't see him becoming a you know he'll be a decent safety. He'll be asked when he's asked to do certain tasks, he will do them. But I don't see him becoming any more of that, and that's probably why like I've noticed. And when they drafted Belton, I'm like, yeah, a safety. But when they you know I looked into it, I'm like, uh, you know, very dicey, very dicey. Um, I want to hear your guys' thoughts. Uh, Micah McFadden is my next pick. Or was this to say is the next pick of the New York Giants? And this one is very exciting. I love Micah McFadden. Um, I didn't really watch Indiana, obviously, uh, as a college football fan. I'm a Notre Dame fan. But with that being said, I recognize the name and I, I love his abilities. We'll talk about him in just a second. Um, shout outs to Miz in the chat. Obviously, uh, Miz has a channel, so you guys can go out and subscribe to him. Ordering me an Oregon shirt, Kayvon Tibbs 5. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Graham Gano and Kayvon have been talking about uh, possibly giving up that jersey, or I should say Kayvon buying that number five from, uh, uh, what's his face, Graham Gano. So let's go into a guy I really like. 
Micah McFadden, linebacker out of Indiana. And he put up some really good stats for the Hoosiers this year. Six and a half sacks, 15 tackles for loss, 77 tackles, 12 games, uh, one forced fumble, one fumble recovery, and one pass, actually three pass deflections. And this guy's a leader as well, and I know that a lot of people don't look at character. That's one of the things you have to scout is character. Um, however, with that being second, you know, with that being said, I should say second. I don't know why I said that. Um, with that being said, uh, you know, he's just a great all-around football player, and I feel like he would have been a higher pick had he not played for the Hoosiers, had he played like somebody from, you know, Alabama or LSU. Micah McFadden is my favorite day three pick for the New York Giants other than Daniel Bellinger. McFadden is an athlete with a high football IQ with an explosive tackling ability. I project him to take one of the starting inside linebacker roles, whether it's this year from Tate Crowder, yes, I said that, or next year from Blake Martinez. Now, Tate Crowder, um, you know, obviously he's he's at his ceiling in my opinion. Maybe he could grow his game a little bit. I think he's at his ceiling. Seventh-round pick, Mr. Irrelevant in 2020. Um, but Micah McFadden, great tackler. He can cover. Um, obviously, in the running game, you know, he can't really get off blocks, which is an issue. But Darian Beavers has that ability. DJ Davison has a, that ability. So I'm not going to really bully him for that. Um, with that being said, I, I do think because of the way, you know, certain regimes work, like, they're not tied to Tate Crowder. hope you guys know that. They're not tied to Tate Crowder. So despite him maybe possibly being better than McFadden in some areas, it's possible that they just start McFadden in week one next to Blake Martinez or maybe start him at Mike. You know, if Blake Martinez isn't ready for some reason. Um, while his IQ and the ability to pop the ball carry, uh, carrier up the par, his lack of length and frame can give him trouble when trying to wreak havoc in the backfield against stronger offensive linemen. So his total weight, as I get it up here off of uh, Pro Football Reference, 6'2", 232. So you'd like a little bit more of a build. 6'2", uh, not really that tall. As I said, he has trouble getting off of blocks. Um, really just trouble sh has trouble shedding blocks, which will be a problem in the running game. So we'll see how that happens, how that develops over the next couple of years. Once again, you have Darian Beavers for that. You have DJ Davison for that. You have a ton of players that can shed blocks. So I don't really see that as an issue for, you know, something that's going to hold McFadden uh, from seeing the field. I think he will see the field probably within the next uh, first few weeks, really. Um, the past few years, McFadden has corrected his angles in terms of tackling and lessened the amount of tackles he misses to go along with those traits. McFadden has the ability to cover less explosive running backs and tight ends. One of the biggest reasons that the Giants drafted McFadden was also his ability to hit the quarterback. He can blitz. He can sack. He can force fumbles. He forced one this past year. Um, pass deflections, once again, we talked about all those other stats, but the ability to blitz. Wink Martindale loves linebackers that can blitz. Blake Martinez, I think, had four sacks the year with you. He was, you know, the first year he was with the Giants. He can do that once he comes back. Darian Beavers can play all over the front seven. He can do that. Um, Micah McFadden, as I just mentioned. The high sack numbers past two seasons echo the fact that he can blitz the quarterback. He can get to the quarterback. Overall, I'm very excited to see McFadden once he steps on the turf. His blitz abilities, his football IQ, and his explosive tackling ability outweighs the cons that can be re refined by the New York Giants coaches. So I'm very excited, very excited for this guy. Um, you know, on the defensive side of the football. 
Give me two seconds, and we will talk about DJ Davison from Arizona State. Not a lot to talk about with him, but we'll talk about him in about 20 seconds. With that being said, let's talk about DJ Davison. A lot of people don't know who this guy is. A lot of people don't know, you know, what he's about. Uh, he's number 98, by the way, for the Arizona State defense, probably playing as one of the uh, defensive interior positions. And with Dexter Lawrence having two years left on his contract, Austin Johnson leaving for the L.A. Chargers, and Justin Ellis on a one-year contract as well, the Giants need some depth at defensive tackle. That's one of the things they needed in the draft. In my personal opinion, like I brought up, D.J. Davison could fill the role of Austin Johnson, being used to penetrate the pocket at times and stuff the run. And just eat double teams. Like, you know, it's not even about, oh, just penetrate the pocket, rush the passer like Aaron Donald. No, nobody's asking that. Just use up double teams. And that's, you know, it's that simple, especially on blitzes. Uh, with that being said, he could also stuff the run. Though his size is huge, he rushes the passer with high energy besides doing the basic defensive tackle stuff. He will put other players in position to make plays. And a lot of people love Dalvin Tomlinson because he could do that. Um, you know, he didn't always stole, you know, show up on the stat sheet as one of the better defensive tackles. Um, but for Tomlinson, and for a guy like DJ Davidson, they do that. They put their teammates in position to make plays. And that's what makes them better teammates, better players. That's, once again, not always going to show up on the stat sheet. That's why we talk about Thibodeau. We talk about McFadden. We talk about some of these other guys on the defensive side of the football. You know, if they don't necessarily shed a block, they will put themselves in position to sacrifice themselves so that their other teammate can go out and make a tackle of some sorts. Um, or make a play, whether it's a forced fumble, a tackle, tackle for loss, interception, whatever the case may be. And I'm not going to say DJ Davis is going to be this all-pro defensive tackle, but he will get on the field this year. There is no doubt in my mind. He will play that Austin Johnson role. You know, if Justin Ellis you know, is not playing up to par for the contract that he was signed to, and DJ Davison is, you know, just beating him out in camp. He will play nose tackle. He will play nose tackle. He will play in the defensive interior. And, you know, this guy's what, 325, I believe, around that range. Um, you know, with, with that being said, the, the, I, I just find this guy. Now, obviously, on that rep, he doesn't clean up the tackle, but he forces the quarterback to move out of the pocket and pressures him. So, obviously, once again, that's one of the things he needs to clean up. Um, however, this guy... I think he's going to be one of the nose tackles, rotational piece. Um, I feel like he could fit in Wink's system for the player that he is and for the ceiling and for the pick that he was picked at. You know, he was picked in the fifth round. It's not like he's going to be this all-pro defensive tackle. He's going to, when he's asked to do something, he will do it, just like Dane Belton. Um, so with that being said, we're going to go on to somebody else, another offensive guard from the state of North Carolina, from the college of North Carolina, that is Marcus McKeithen. Uh, we'll talk about him just a tad. Not too much to talk about with this guy. Um, we have two more draft picks, actually, so we're almost there. Uh, Marcus McKeithen, fifth-round pick, 173 overall, 6'6", 335, 22 years old out of the U University of North Carolina. And let's talk about McKeithen. Wash, rinse, repeat. The Giants draft another versatile player, versatile offensive lineman, from the University of North Carolina. McKeithen can play both offensive guard and offensive center. I love his anchor against bigger defensive interiors, which makes him look smooth on tape. He just looks like Ramon Foster, just a solid guard in pass protection. Not doing anything special, not 
you know, just pushing guys over. Uh, doesn't necessarily have a mean streak, but he has a streak where, okay, he just looks solid like he's doing his job in pass protection. Um, though he has the attributes of good hand strength, big hands, and long arms, hand placement is something that Bobby Johnson and Tony Sperano Jr. will need to help him refine. So that's also something they need to help Joshua Izudu with. So maybe they're not refining that in North Carolina. I don't know. Uh, his stiff lower half can sometimes haunt him in the ground game. The expectation coincides with his ceiling of being a backup or swing offensive guard. Uh, versatility, once again, I don't expect him to do much. Um, you know, in the preseason, he'll come in and he'll compete for a job and do what he needs to do. Um, he'll probably be like the second team right guard or, you know, play center a little bit, depending on, you know, who competes. Uh, we still have a couple of guys from last year. We have Ben Bredesen. Uh, there, there, there's a couple of guys that definitely may be cut because we have a ton of offensive linemen. Joe Shane has brought in nine new offensive linemen, whether they're good or not. Um, so he obviously is taking this position very, very seriously. Um, and I don't think it's going to stop here. I think they'll probably draft somebody next year. They'll continue to build the depth on this offensive line, depending how it looks this year. Depending on how it looks this year. Um, with that being said, with that being said, we will switch to Darian Beavers next and wrap it up from there. So Darian Beavers, linebacker out of Cincinnati. Um, obviously, I put three games for each. Uh, unfortunately, this is against my Notre Dame, which Cincinnati beat against Indiana. And also, there's, there's another game in here as well. Uh, I'm just trying to just trying to scope it out right now. It's probably going to show up here in a sec. Uh, I, I guess not. I forget. It, it was Cincinnati. It was Notre Dame. Yeah, I'm just forgetting them again. But with that being said, Darian Beavers, linebacker out of Cincinnati. In his football career, Darian Beavers has played all over the field. He's played defensive end. I think he played a little bit of safety in high school and then transitioned uh, when he went to Connecticut, he transitioned to a linebacker and was back to safety, back to linebacker. He's been all over the place. And I can see why Giant fans are super excited to have this kid. And he brings a lot to the table. He has the ability to drop into coverage on occasion. Not, you know, he doesn't have the greatest coverage ability. Sometimes he will get burnt by tight ends that are faster. Um, you know, he's not a guy you're going to put against running backs. Uh, maybe less dynamic running backs, like fatter running backs. Um... You're not going to put him against wide receivers, though. He could also rush the passer and stuff the run. That's one of the things that, you know, he takes a little bit more out of, you know, or I should say he has the ability more of stuffing the run than Micah McFadden does. When Micah McFadden is one-on-one -on -one with a blocker, he can go ahead and make the tackle. I should say not with a blocker, but with a ball carrier. He can make the tackle. But Micah McFadden has the issue and has the weakness of not being able to disengage blocks and you know, that is something that Darian Beavers does. He plays defensive end, so he has the ability to disengage blocks. And in my opinion, he may play that Jihad Ward role next year. Jihad Ward was signed, and he can play coverage. Uh, he can play defensive end. He can play defensive interior. These are the things that Darian Beavers can do. And a lot of the guys they signed, like Justin Ellis, um, you know, if they signed any other cornerbacks that I missed. But some of these guys that they signed... They're on one-year contracts, and they have these late-round picks that will replace them, like Max Garcia. He may be replaced by Joshua Zudu or Marcus McKeithen. Uh, Jamil Douglas, he's probably going to get replaced by Marcus McKeithen. So there's a lot of guys that you know are here for a one-year stay, and that's pretty much it. Um, Darian Beavers, 
I, I love his potential at the next level. Uh, sometimes his tackling ability can be ineffective. You know, sometimes he'll try to make the bigger hit for the highlight reel. And this can happen to any player. This will happen to any player. Uh, like Trevor Penning sometimes will try to make the bigger hit for the highlight reel when he could just do something simple. And sometimes that fucks up the rest of the play because if he does it against a defensive back or tries to push them into the ground, they'll loop around to tackle the ball carrier. Um, but with that being said, Beavers has that issue. He definitely should take some snaps next to Blake Martinez and all over the field this year. Once again, look for him to play the Joe Hodward role in year two as Ward is only on a one-year contract. And Beavers, once again, definitely sees the field, and he's probably going to be that second linebacker or in that second linebacker tandem in training camp to start on the depth chart, and he'll make the roster. I have no doubts about that. I think Martindale will love this kid uh, coming out of college. So, uh, with that being said, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when the live stream pops for your jobs. Appreciate you all coming back. Maybe next week uh, before I go off to Pennsylvania, we'll try to do something with the undrafted free agents. I know we signed a couple of them. I'll go through their film and stuff like that. Uh, obviously, I do have finals within the coming days, so that's going to be a little tough. Um, you know, Studying and all that stuff is, you know, it's college life. But I appreciate you guys for coming out here. Peace out. See you later. Stay cool. And have a good night. Let's see where I can get this right about now.